What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the talk of the hockey world these days is the conclusion of the World Junior Championships, which just wrapped up over the weekend with Canada walking away with the gold medal. Notably, a couple of prominent Sabres were involved, three Sabres total, but two of which we are going to be talking about heavily today, that of Isaac Rosin and Yuri Kulich. So for starters, Team Sweden coming in third place, winning the bronze medal, and Rosin impressed. Uh, it was pretty interesting as well throughout the tournament, or uh, I should say a couple days into the tournament. Scott Wheeler ended up publishing a really great article on Rosine. As we have talked about throughout the season, and as it has been well documented, Rosine ran into some struggles this past year just in terms of really not being able to get enough ice time. And then when he was actually able to get some ice time, not being put in enough positions that were going to be as helpful as they could be to his development. And so this tournament was really the first opportunity that he's had in quite a bit to be able to show out a bit, be able to be a trusted member on the ice among the forward ranks for his team and really to be leaned upon. And he showed out and he was great from Wheeler's wrap up of the world championships of the, of the world junior championships. He noted about Rosine looked dangerous in transition, nifty release skating and tracking well to support the play and or get Perimeter speed in control was noticeable, though I would have liked to see him get to the interior more. One timer off the offside flank on power play, power play two was dangerous throughout. He ran a little hot and cold, but he was still one of Sweden's more threatening players and finished the tournament with a team leading four goals. So really, really positive news there for Rosine. Really exactly what we'd want to see again after dealing with the struggles that he faced last year with really just not getting enough ice time and enough opportunity. Now, what happens in the fall remains to be seen. We don't know if he's going to return overseas and continue to play in Sweden or if he's going to come over to the States and play in the AHL in Rochester. But Taylor, just curious, did you have a chance to read Scott Wheeler's piece? And what are your thoughts on Rosine really having such a, a strong quality bounce back tournament? Yeah, I definitely, I read it. It was good. It's, it's encouraging because he basically, it, it's, it's maybe the worst thing for development. He's not playing poorly. He's not playing in the SHL. That's, like that's the worst case scenario. He's not. He's getting less than seven minutes a game ice time, so you can't even really look at his stats and glean anything from them. Right. They it, like it was mentioned in the article. There's games where he's dressed and not played, which you don't see that a lot in hockey. A guy sitting on the bench an entire game not playing. Like it's not mm-hmm. basketball. Guys generally play. So it's 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 really not been a good situation for him. I know on one hand you might say, shouldn't a guy that is a year his draft plus one year that was taken 14th overall show a little bit more in, in the SHL at his age. I don't know, maybe, mm-hmm. but I just feel like it's a bad situation in general. Like he could be anywhere else, honestly, like he'd be way better off in Rochester. He would be better off had he played like juniors in Sweden. I know it's, he's probably too good for that, but I mean, if he's not even going to play in the SHL, He's kind of worth considering, right? Well, it's yeah. just, yeah, it's unfortunate. But it's good to hear he bounced back, and this is, you know, a format where he really should shine, and he did. Yeah, it's good <laughs> to see him thriving in that way among his peers. And 
to to note on the contract or on the uh you know the upcoming season he has one year left on his contract in the shl and i would have to think that just after the ups and downs of last year and really the the weird predicament he was in that if he was going to stay over there it would be because he knows that he's going to be able to get every night playing time in the shl because at that point then it's like we'll just bring him over to rochester which to be fair still might be the move to begin with you know i i think for him, the biggest thing is that he's he's a great skilled player, as Wheeler had talked about there in his draft profile, as we've seen what he's been touted as. He's an offensive threat. He's got a great shot. He's great on the power play. Really good with that one-timer, as we had saw. He had, had I believe, one or two goals um, that I saw highlights of, too, of him just on that flank in the power play and just letting it rip. And, uh, you know, so the big thing with going to the AHL that could end up being beneficial for him and while also being beneficial would maybe be his greatest hurdle is the fact that he is very undersized and he needs to put on some muscle and his body needs to mature and grow a little bit. And so, you know, I think that there could be a benefit to that of having him kind of be thrown into the more physical style of play off the bat and having I guess have to, you know, while his body is catching up to him, put him in a position where you have to problem solve now. Like now guys are going to be a lot more physical. So how are you going to be able to use your your skill to be able to circumvent that and to be able to work around that to make yourself still a productive player, even though you're lacking in the size standpoint? Yeah, it's I mean, it, it makes sense. They mentioned in the article that his dad played at 200 pounds and well, gaining weight might be easy for someone like us who you know, sedentary desk jobs, probably drink too much. It's actually hard if you are like a 19 year old that has a small frame and you're like, you're exercising all the time. It's hard to gain good weight. It's an easier way to say that. It's, it's not an easy thing to do to, to quote unquote, like gain X amounts of pounds of muscle. It's not easy. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's something that you have to balance then. It's like, okay, you could obviously put some fat on too, or just some, some poundage that's, you know, not necessarily all in your biceps or whatever, but like at that point you have to figure out like, is this extra weight going to slow me down? Is this going to change? And then there's, you know, health concerns and all that. It's not easy to get bigger. So yeah, I think that's something he's going to have to learn. I think what's encouraging is it, it seems like the people around him seem to think that he's working hard to deal with his difficulty adjusting to the SHL. Whereas mm-hmm. we have a recent example of first round pick, unfortunately, and we'll see it's not over yet. And Casey Middlestad, who had some trouble with that. But I guess an even worse example, which I can definitely say is over, Alex Nylander, yeah. who was a star at every level until he got to Rochester. Things got hard, and he did not uh, rise to the challenge at all. So no. it's good to see, you know, Rosen, Rosine is considering uh, or continuing to, to work hard and all that. So it's it'd be bad if he had a bad World Juniors, I'll say that. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, Good timing for this weird August World Juniors. Well, while we're talking about the World Juniors, let's talk about fellow prospect Yuri Kulich, who also had a very strong showing from Wheeler's profile of Kulich, which was glowing. It says, driving net, played hard, hands under triangles, puck on a string at times, skating noticeable off the puck in his ability to pursue and recapture possession to extend sequences. Familiar spot on the point on off wing on power play. Ice tilted when he was out there more often than not. That slap shot of his is going to be a problem. Stays over pucks. Impressed by his game defensively slash the way he supported play. Dynamite in the quarters with the chips on the table. One of checks. Check that. One of the checks best. No question. He's a player. 
really, really he is good a player. Stuff. There's there's no way around it. And on top of that, to tie this all in, some good news that we had found out over the weekend from Seth Appert's appearance on the fan in Rochester. Yuri Kulich is expected to play in Rochester this season, which I think is fantastic news. Unlike Rosine, and as was described in his profile there from the tournament, Kulich's game seems pretty translatable to the North American game. He has a really strong two-way presence. Obviously, we know about his shot. We heard about it at development camp. He plays with some physicality there. He's not afraid to be physical and and get into the, the rough areas along the boards, which is great. You want a guy that's going to be fearless like that and be able to have that high motor that can just go nonstop, especially, you know, in a, in a first-round center talent when you're looking for a guy who you take at 28, like, if that ends up panning out, statistically speaking, that's a huge win for you. And by the sound of it, Coolidge very well, as we also learned through Sabres Embedded, could have ended up, ended up going at 16 too. So I think, you know, Coolidge's stock has just continued to rise since the draft. I mean, a strong showing here at the U18 championships. It's really exciting. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him in Rochester this year, because now I feel like it gives you a little bit of an additional incentive to really be tuned into Rochester because we've talked about it. There's not a whole lot among the forward ranks that we definitively knew that we were going to have to look forward to next year in Rochester and just even in general in Rochester for that matter. I mean, maybe Paterka is going to end up being there. I think Quinn's going to make the opening night roster, but having Coolidge there now definitively makes Rochester a lot more interesting to keep an eye on from a prospect standpoint, and especially when you consider that, Maybe because they know that Coolidge is going to be there. They want to maybe try and get Rosen over as well. And maybe that's the route that they want to take with both of them. Who knows? But your thoughts on Yuri Coolidge, Taylor, do you feel the same way about his stock rising and your thoughts on him coming and playing in Rochester next season or this coming season, I should say. I like it because this is an interesting thing in hockey. When you talk about development, other sports with guys you draft, the other forward similarly takes a long time from when someone gets drafted to when they actually play professionally is baseball. It's like every step of the way you have this entire system set up to help these guys along. And in hockey, it's weird. Cause it's like a lot of guys, it's like, well, see you in a couple of years, I guess, hopefully things are going over there. You get to come to our development camp for four days in the summer. And the rest of the time, we hope you're uh, being coached by people that are, are good. I, so I like the idea of having that. I know there's some skepticism about Appert, in Rochester in general, since they did a, a whole lot of cost cutting in 2020. So maybe it's the opposite, but I just think in general, I think you have to, if you're an organization, you like to have guys under your tutelage. And also you get to see, you get to see firsthand how they work, how they react, how they are with others, all that stuff. And that's where the, one of the, I guess, underrated aspects of that is sometimes it's good to give up on a guy early before anyone else notices that not give up. Like we got to get rid of this guy, but like, Oh, we'll throw him in a trade. Definitely. Right. Yeah. Exactly. We'll throw uh JT Confer in a trade. Right. It, but this, but they don't know when, when the, when the Sabres did that, it's like, Oh, maybe JT Confer is good. Who knows? He's in college. Right. But what they did know, same trade. Mikhail Gregorenko. Yeah. You can have him. Nikita <laughs> Zorov. Zadorov. You they can have him. Of course. Yeah. Like that's, that's what I mean. Like, and who, which of those three is playing for Colorado right now? I mean, he's not great, but yeah. Confer, at least a fourth liner on a Stanley Cup team. Mm-hmm. That's what are those other bozos doing? So that's I like I like having guys around from a, a young age because at some point too, we've said this before, there might be a trade to make for the Sabers to to bring in someone established because they have, I mean, they have 
I don't think they have any picks left coming up. They have an extra second next year, I think, from Vegas. Two extra seconds. Two extra seconds because they have one from Philadelphia as well. They have four picks in the first two rounds of next year's draft after taking 11 players in each of the last two drafts. So there most definitely is going to be a trade coming. Something's going to have to give. And yeah. that's okay. That's a good thing. That's why you build up the depth of the prospect system in this way. It's good. to So for Coolidge being in Rochester, I don't really want to trade him. That's a bad way to say that. But like, yeah, that's great. And honestly, it means that he can play in Buffalo for a couple games. Yeah. Mid-season, too many injuries, whatever. Maybe the fifth COVID variant happens and we have to start scraping the bottom of the barrel again. But like, yeah, it'd be great to see Coolidge for one game at the end of next season or or whatever, maybe even more. Yeah. It'd be great to have him, uh, you know, just around in general. So yeah, I'm really excited about Coolidge. It seems like it's, it's only been two months since the draft, but there's been a lot of positive buzz about him. I do have a World Juniors question for you. Oh, well, a couple. First, here's a fun one. Did you watch one minute of it? Uh, no, because I was in Chicago all weekend. So no, yeah, I, I don't have that great of an excuse. Uh, I didn't. I had a wedding, so I had that. But sure, that I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. The, the six days or whatever it was, more than six days leading up, because it was a, it's a 10 day. A lot of mental prep and, and wind down after a wedding. So I understand. Yeah. So it was. Uh, it's weird. It's a weird tournament. It's in August because Omicron wiped out the original version and they didn't really have a great plan at that point and it was not well attended notably because that is something and there's probably multiple reasons for it it's in canada it was in edmonton right mm-hmm. those are usually super well attended canada's like the only country that actually cares about the world juniors and not i mean when it was in buffalo was at three four oh five years ago actually almost five years ago that wasn't super well attended but it was better attended than this and it was right you had the excuse of like the Pagoulas upcharge like crazy and still America, even people like Buffalo, huge, huge hockey fans don't care about world juniors. They don't well, care. Especially when it's in the middle of August too. Let's that's, keep that important disclaimer in mind. Yes. Because it's like, we're having another one in four months. So that's, what's the big deal. It's in it, it, the fact that I've said on the podcast many times, it's August. Why are we talking about hockey? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then I guess they have their ticket price issues. You'd think they'd pay it. It's Canada, but yeah, crazy. 1500 people a game, average attendance, Canadian games average 4,400. It's wow. terrible. That's bad. It's, but, and I guess the last thing to say about that is Hockey Canada uh, is not in a great spot right now because of its handling of all the sexual assault things and they're being sued. <laughs> Even Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada, is kind of like, you guys got to get your shit together. Mm-hmm. It's bad when the president is sorry, not president, prime minister is weighing in on what you're doing. So, well, and it's just been like a steady stream of of horrible story after horrible decision yep. after horrible story with them. It's a lot of cover. It's clearly a problem from the top down. And I I think we should also mention a bunch of uh, other people uh, didn't play that we're going to play in December. Right. Yeah. Including well, the guy who well, I should. That's the second thing I was going to ask you. Were you bothered that the probable tournament MVP did not play. Does that bother you at all? Or do you not care? Not really. No. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm more, this one was just kind of like, okay, it's happening. Cool. Summer hockey. That's great. Something to talk about on a podcast episode in the middle of August. Good more (laughs) content. Um, But I'm far more concerned, not even concerned. I'm far more interested. I should say in the December tournament when, you're going to have a lot more Sabres are involved. Savoy is probably going to be playing for Canada. Austin will see playing for uh, for Sweden. If Russia is involved, obviously the, the pack of Russians there, those guys are all going to be playing. You'll see Coolidge again, more likely than not, I would have to assume. Same thing for Rosine. So, 
I mean, it is what it is. I, I think it was weird, like that Mason. I mean, good for Mason McTavish. Don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, he like saved the day for them in terms of preventing the game winning goal and scoring the winning goal. Like that stop that he had of of batting that puck out of midair as it was about to cross the goal line. It was way better than the goal. One of the craziest things I have like ever seen in a hockey game in that kind of a moment. Unbelievable. Good for him. But again, like there's definitely like a risk involved. And I understand anybody who felt that way that you are going to be playing full time for Anaheim this upcoming year. And it's, I get you wanted to go win a gold medal, but it's a tournament in the middle of August that was pushed back. And in the grand scheme of things really doesn't mean a whole lot in terms of just like the attention that, that came with it. Um, but I'm way more excited for December anyways. So I don't know that's just, yeah, and I didn't care that much. Yeah. I was referencing Owen power, uh, is a probable tournament MVP. No, I I know what you're saying. Well, yeah, it's, and that's kind of what I mean though. McTavish is the antithesis of that though, because McTavish really didn't need to play. He was going to have a full-time gig on, on Anaheim this year. Yeah. Oh, it is interesting. And who else played Kent Johnson? Kent Johnson played as well. You know who else played? Who? Future Buffalo Sabre, Connor Bedard. <laughs> yeah. We're going to sign Connor Bedard in a, um, let's say, Kevin Durant type move. In 20, when's he a free agent? Let's see. 2030. Good. After the Sabres have won their third Stanley Cup. <laughs> people are getting a little old. Skinner's gone. Tage is getting a little long in the tooth. This team needs a, a burst of energy. And free agent Connor Bedard's like, I'm coming to Buffalo. Also, Point per game is the youngest guy in the tournament. Very impressive. Good for you, Connor Bedard. Yeah, he's he's a freak. He is a freak. That shot is unbelievable. And it's it's crazy to me that people are, I mean, we're still a year out from the draft. And I know, obviously, things can change in a year. But he's been the guy for the past several years. And the fact that people are saying that he may be a better prospect than McDavid. It's interesting. Oh my See, god. This this is a good opportunity. Not let him go to a bad market is what I'm trying to say. Or a bad team. Like you could go to a bad market if the team's good. Right. Like, like the Sabres. Exactly. <laughs> uh he, this gives me an opportunity to talk about uh the way we uh choose to describe players and one of my least favorite terms generational talent because the way that's that's been used it's a lot of times it's used as a cudgel, I think. And that annoys me in general. But everyone that's been described as a generational talent in hockey, I think, accurately described, I should say, they really, they don't really fail. Like the worst version of it is like Eric Lindros has too many concussions and has to retire in his early 30s. But he was like an MVP. So he was good. He didn't win, win the cup. They went to a cup and lost, but he was awesome. He's incredible. Right. The other guys, like, it's like Gretzky, who didn't. If I'm not mistaken, Gretzky didn't actually get drafted because he went to the WHA. Uh, you have Lemieux. Lindros was probably the next one that was talked like that. I don't know if there's anyone from the 90s. I think Lindros was 1990. Yeah. Next one I can really think of would be Crosby. So there should be someone in the middle. But I don't, but I don't really think yeah, Joe no, Thornton. Maybe Joe Thornton. He'd be right no, in the middle. There, I, don't, but I don't know if he was talked about that way. I don't think I would qualify him as that. And I think when you look at it, it kind of a lot of times – you know, you'll get lucky that if you get some, whether it's in the same year or a year apart, but for the most part, it's when we're saying generational, it's, it's like every 10 years is when you get a player like that. Crosby was 05, McDavid 2015, Bedard 20, 
2023. So yeah. obviously eight years difference there, but that's kind of the thing is that these guys only come around once a decade, pretty much. And if you are lucky enough to get them, it's a nice little lottery ticket to have and to yeah. get you to a good, uh, good place of being a, a contending team. So those guys are the guys you would describe as generational. Anyone else? Not anyone else. I guess you could, there's theoretically defensive. I think Ovechkin, you could probably make the argument, like in terms of his shooting talent, his shooting talent is absolutely Ooh, generational. Yeah, generational shooting talent. Not even shooting talent because he just shoots a ton. He shoots way more than anyone. His his ability to get shots off. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. So that specific thing, I wouldn't call him a generational player. Not all around, but, but like it, but also though, that's the thing too, is that not many players have, what you would describe as generational traits. You could be, have elite traits, you know, that's the word people need to start using. Yes. Generational has a specific definition. Generational. Yes. This is in reference to someone who used to play here. uh, Whenever the Sabres would have some listless three, one loss to the senators, like, Oh, where was generational talent? Jack Eichel tonight, not to defend him, but like, that's not what he was. He's Mm -hmm. an elite talent. It's different. It very different. I mean, right. the literal word is different. Once in a generation, how do you find a generation? It sure as shit isn't the guy that got taken four minutes before you at the draft. <laughs> you can't be like, oh, Connor McDavid was the generational talent. Now it's Jack Eichel's generation. Stupid. Think about the words you use. That means the people that use it derisively, but also the people who use it honestly. Like, I mean, you can't, you can't call like, I don't know, Shane Wright a generational talent or something like that. No. Yeah. So in terms of like, this is interesting though, with the Ovechkin thing, in terms of different skills, like there, there have to be, I, that'd be an interesting show. Like the best scale, like if you're building the perfect Frankenstein hockey player. Yeah, that we should do that. Maybe we do that for Thursday. Hi, Tage Thompson. Yes, absolutely. Smile, Jeff Skinner. Great smile. Yeah. Real good. Hair, Owen Power. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe it's all Sabres. Dad vibes, Kyle Opozo. Wow. Yeah. What about beard, though? The Sabres don't have a great beard guy. Mm. That's a good point. It might be Brent Burns. It probably is him. Yeah. Unfortunately. All right. We'll get retired. <laughs> so, is that right? <laughs> Brent Burns is retired. No, I don't think he plays for an NHL team. Oh, who does he play for? Nobody. That's right. Brent Burns. RIP Bozo. That's not fair. He didn't trade himself. I'm sure he's upset. He has to move from one of the coolest underrated markets in America to Raleigh. Mm. Good luck with that. Sorry, bud. That's terrible for you. Heard it in your voice with how you just said that. That was (laughs) a a growl in that. (laughs) Well, everyone's favorite Hurricanes beat reporter, Sarah Sivian, has even said multiple times that like Raleigh's a dump and like (laughs) she wishes they played in Charlotte. That's the athletic Sarah Sivian. Um, And it's like, yeah, I've never been there, but come on, man. There's no way. too much sense to have him play in Charlotte. Hey, you know what? The NHL Before... loves that shit, though. They loved in the 90s, like, we're moving to a non-traditional market. Let's move where the people aren't. They moved, well, originally the Phoenix Coyotes were in Phoenix, which made way more sense. Yep. And then, like, nope, things are going well. They make the playoffs every year, losing the first round. They have decent attendance. No, we're going to move them 30 minutes outside the city. Hey, we have a new uh, South Florida team. We're going to put them 45 minutes away from Miami. <laughs> we're going to put this, we're going to move this uh, team out of a mall in Hartford 
and we're going to put them in North Carolina. No, not the city where a lot of people live and will continue to move to for the next couple decades. The other city. Come on, Incredible guys. planning. Incredible planning. Yeah. Hey, Taylor, you know what? You had said something earlier about finding a reason to have an episode in August, and that got me thinking. You know what our reason is? What's that? The little website called DraftKings. <laughs> That's right, folks. And I bet you didn't know this, but college football's back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook to celebrate the best time of the year. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bet instant, free bets instantly, win or lose. Wow. If that's not enough, you can also place a same-game parlay for a shot at an even bigger payout. So just combine multiple bets in one, like which team will get the win, which team to score first, and more. So this is this comes in very handy when, like, let's say Notre Dame is playing, like, East Durham High School. You say, like, <laughs> Notre Dame's uh, quarterback going to run in the first one, and then Notre Dame will cover the spread of minus 210. Or they won't. Who knows? Anyway, this is now the time when I get to talk about uh, my bet for college football this year, which here's the thing. I'm not going to give you something distant down the line. We have a game this Saturday. We have games, plural, actually. The One of my favorite games of the year, the Hawaii Classic, as I call it, which is Hawaii playing the night game a week before anyone else really, any of the big teams get to play. Hawaii's hosting Vanderbilt. Wow. And 30 p.m. on Saturday. So I'll probably watch that. And you know what? Bet on Hawaii. Bet on the home team. We love the Rainbow Warriors, don't we, folks? <laughs> All right. So DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Quite a response he had there. Yeah, <laughs> DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, so, man, not a sport we've ever talked about on here before, really. But last week, uh, we had... With the ad, we actually asked our guest Eric to give a recommendation, and he said that Usman was going to win this Saturday's UFC fight. And as I understand it, for about 90% of the match, maybe 95, 99% of the match, it looked like that was going to come true, and it wasn't even that close. But did you happen to see how that ended? I did. Good Oof, Lord. If you didn't, look it up. The guy who he was fighting against, whose name I don't even know, to be honest, uh, is looking super, super beaten down he looks tired he doesn't look like he knows what to do and then even one of the announcers is like the one guy is like maybe it's time for him to throw in the towel he's looking tired he's looking like he doesn't have much faith and the announcer's like but he's not cut from that cloth and as soon as he says that this guy kicks Usman on the head and he is asleep immediately like on the ground done and everyone's freaking out it's 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 kind of you can hear in the announcer's voices how unexpected it was for them that it just went from like this guy's gonna lose to this guy won which is crazy. It's not really anything like that in sports, even though we're not big UFC guys or anything like that. It's really fascinating while, but this is really a, a long, really roundabout way of saying that we were this close. We were so close to finally giving you guys good betting advice. We were so close. We'll we get there someone that knew what they were talking about and we snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Wow. Shout out Eric. We love Eric still. Yeah. Almost man. Almost. Mm-hmm. Well, Taylor, I, I feel like we probably don't have much more to talk about. Do you have any recommendations that you'd like to give to the people? 
Well, I finished three shows last week. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I was watching them. They just all, like, Better Call Saul ended. I watched The Flight Attendant. And I also uh, finished The Captain. I don't know if you've watched The Captain at all. I have not. I have to still. It's interesting. Good yeah. recommendation if you're a Yankees fan. So, I don't. I guess I'll do my final ever because we didn't record Wednesday. We did a two-parter last Sunday. My right. final ever recommendation of Better Call Saul, which is like, hey, this is it, guys. If you watch Breaking Bad, you might like it. This is it. I'm not talking about it anymore because it's over. It was a great. It's somehow on for more than seven years because of COVID and stuff. Man, great finale. One of the all timers, in my opinion. Wow. And now I, I had to put it in my personal. TV drama top five and had to kick out Friday Night Lights, which God damn me to do, but that's high praise. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's very different from Breaking Bad, you know, same universe and all that. And there's some things that are somewhat similar, but the vibes are different. The way it ended is different. Yeah. And Bob Odenkirk did a great job and, and shout out well to a lot of the cast and obviously the crew and all that too. But man, they did an incredible few things. Mike, you know, Mike Armantrout's character, the Mike Armantrout character played by Jonathan Banks is great. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito, obviously you guys know those guys are great, but like coming to the show and no idea who Rhea Seahorn was or Patrick Fabian or Tony Dalton. And all three of those people were unbelievable. Some of the best characters I've ever seen on TV. And then also shout out to Michael McKean. He was good too uh, for the seasons that he was in the show. So Better Call Saul, one of the greatest TV dramas, very lucky to have watched it from the first episode that it aired in 2015 in January to the last episode. I watched 95% of them live. So it was a real honor to watch them, and it's not the kind of show that comes around very often. So I do recommend uh, binging it, even if you do a slow binge. Give yourself a, a couple months to watch it. It's it's a slow burn. I mean, I can't lie. It's it'll take you a little bit to get into it, but it's by the end of the first season, it hits its stride, and then season two is like great, and then every season gets better from there, in my opinion. Wow, you can that's say that very about cool. a lot of shows. Those shows are always the best that like get better as they go along. Very nice. That's awesome. Surprise, yeah, like like Game of Thrones, folks. Right. Sure, that's gonna go over real well. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. All right, I will. Uh, I'm gonna do a song again. So this weekend I was in Chicago because I saw one of the coolest bills that I've ever gotten a chance to see, which was Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Strokes, and Thundercat. It was amazing. Saw them at Soldier Field. So getting to see The Strokes in a football stadium ruled. Uh, really, really great time. It was also my first time getting to see John Frusciante perform. He's my favorite guitar player ever. In my opinion, he's like the best guitarist to emerge in the past 30 years. Returned to the Red Hot Chili Peppers after, uh, being out of the band for about 10 years. They just put out, uh, earlier this year, their new album, Unlimited Love. And they're coming out with another album again in October. So I really enjoyed the one that they had put out, Unlimited Love, like I said. And I'm going to pick a song from that, a song called she's a lover which is i think like a, a very classic chili pepper sounding song he played guitar on mother's milk blood sugar sex magic californication by the way and stadium arcadium and it very much fits in the mold of like the californication to stadium arcadium kind of feel for a song so yeah highly recommend checking out that album in general but uh yeah that's maybe my favorite song off of that album and they were so great live and getting to see him play guitar live was one of the coolest musical experiences of my life. So yeah, I'm going to go with that one. Nice. I also have to shout out uh, Andy Meyer, friend of the show and former guest on Rick's reviews who I saw his band Friday, uh, the plagiarists. So that was good. Good job, Andy. I didn't get to say good job after the show because I didn't catch him, but he was good. So I recommend them. Yeah. They're around. They played at the Sabres game last year. I think November I saw them. So they've been around. uh, They're great. No, plagiarists are fantastic. If you ever get the chance to check them out, highly, highly recommend. All right. Who's your, who's your random former Sabres player? 
Uh, Gene Sebastian Dea. Ooh, okay, very nice. I will go with Mark Andre Gragnani then, since we're going to go with the the multi name folks. Oh, the assassins. Oh yes. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabers, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. And on top of that, make sure you're following the presenters of this podcast on social media. Speaking of which, make sure you're following us on social media as well. You can find us at Straight Up Sabres on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure you're also subscribed or following us on whatever streaming platform you're currently listening to this episode on. Last but not least, as Taylor had mentioned before, Use that promo code THPN at checkout with DraftKings to take advantage of great deals. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday, everybody. Thanks so much. This has been Straight Up Savers. Savers.